0: Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life
1: by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artisan food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about
0: everything delicious. A very good weekend to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. You've tuned in to the hippest, the hottest, the coolest culinary conversation on the radio. And by the way, we're going to make it the sweetest this hour too, so don't touch your dial. The delicious conversation starts right here and right now, and I welcome you to my kitchen. Celebrating almost 20 years in your radio, it is my sheer Privilege and pleasure to share everything I love about food and wine over the airwaves. So, whether you love to cook or just love to eat, you are bound to find something you will love on this show. I do talk food and wine and cocktails too, along with travel and trends and so much more, because a meal is a terrible thing to waste, don't you think? Delivering the world of food directly. To your radio. This is a place for people who love to eat. And I hope that you'll visit chefjamie.com for my features and forums and recipes and more. You can always take your cooking skills to the next level by becoming a friend and a fan on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, where you'll find my daily dish. But of course, you'll want to stay tuned because there's so much to learn and so much to devour. I'm very excited, in fact, because the lovely and talented Dory Greenspan is here. It's been too long, but my fine friend and phenomenal baker, Dory, is back with a new cookbook after 30 years of glorious cookbook writing, and she's going to sit down and share her stories and dish, and she is always delightful, so you won't want to miss it. But first i like to start this show, kick it off with a tutorial of sorts to make you the best cook you know. And so this is a summary on salt. I get questions about salt, by the way, a lot. The difference between kosher salt and table salt, Himalayan, Scottish, the grind, the flake. And so I thought I would hopefully wax poetic in your opinion and enlighten you to those things you might not know about salt, And so that you could build a better brine. So chemically, there is little difference between kitchen salts. All are at least 97.5% sodium chloride. But there are very significant differences in the processing of the many salts that are offered today. So let's go through them. Sea salt is often the choice of many bakers. It's harvested from evaporated seawater and it receives little or no processing. So it leaves the minerals intact from the water that it came from, of course, and these minerals, uh, flavor and color the salt slightly. Now I happen to love fleur de sel, considered a natural sea salt. It comes from, uh, the waters where the lavender surrounds it. And so you get that subtle, floral, beautiful aroma and very underlying flavor. Now you can find fine grain, you can find large crystals, and I think sea salt lends delicious flavor. It does tend to be a little saltier though than kosher salt in taste, but I think it's good to keep in mind that these salts, when cooked or dissolved, do tend to dissipate in flavor over time. Now, kosher salt is most professional chefs' salt of choice, and it is mine. And I believe, and I've said it over the years many, many, many times, I believe that great cooks use kosher salt. It takes its name uh, from its use in the koshering process. It does not contain any preservatives. And it can be derived from either seawater or underground sources. And it keeps its flavor when cooked or dissolved. I think it's the best general choice for everyday cooking salt. And the main difference between these two salts, sea salt and kosher salt, is definitely texture. Table salt uh, or sea salt that's fine grind uh, dissolves very quickly I prefer kosher salt because of its coarse texture. I think it's easy to pinch when I'm seasoning. I know how much I'm using and I can layer flavor. So if I'm making tomato sauce, for instance, or Sunday gravy, for all my Italian friends. I season the onions that I've sauteed and the garlic. Then I might add the tomatoes and season again. Then I'll season at the end of the cooking process. And I find that I can layer with kosher salt. Now, I referenced table salt, by the way. And if that's the iodized version that you think of, throw it away, please. Because it has iodine added to it And we've come to find out over many years that there is no need to ingest additional iodine on top of what you already get naturally. I also find that iodized salt is so very fine that people tend to overuse it. Uh, It it is no longer good for you and it should be discarded. And if you have any, don't tell me, please. Just get rid of it. Now, irregular grains like flake salt… I love. They add this delightful crunch and a a hint of briny flavor. And I think they're best used on food at the last minute. Like I'll finish a pasta dish or I'll top chocolate chip cookies before they go in the oven. I happen to love flake salt. And... I really believe that you need to determine how salty your palate is to choose a salt that's best to cook with in your kitchen. Like I love a Himalayan salt block, but I don't use a lot of Himalayan salt because I find it salty for my palate. I do love Scottish though. So just depends. Now this might sound odd, but I suggest you have a salt tasting where you set out Small tastings of different salts and you buy good French bread and you use good quality olive oil for dipping and you taste different salts and you figure out what tastes best to your palate. Now there is like sel gris, which is gray sea salt from Brittany, all natural. I think it has a lovely sweet flavor. The fleur de sel that I mentioned, um, Hawaiian or also often called red clay salt. There is black salt, of course, which is, um, made of large rocks. Uh, You can also find fine powder and it's sort of violet to purpley black and it's very earthy and has strong uh, sulfur aroma. There is smoke salt and flavored salt. I love smoke salt too, by the way. So many choices. So find one that pleasures your palate. And use it every day. And then find a finishing salt that you can show off with, like a big bucket of Malden flake salt from Amazon. I like to put the handle over my arm and walk around as if I'm uh, watering the flowers (laughs) and finish plates with a little bit of flake salt. It's very dramatic, right? And that, by the way, salt summary, leads me to a tutorial on brining. Because Turkey Day is just around the corner and I'm big on brining, so I think we might as well start planning for the ultimate Thanksgiving, right? Brining, no doubt, improves tenderness and flavor and an overnight soak in a salted water solution gives poultry and pork a chance to absorb both moisture and seasoning. And I brine my chickens and my turkeys and my pork, no matter what method I'm using to cook, like roast or grill or saute or deep fry. Now, the basic solution for a brine is a quarter cup of kosher salt, in my opinion, to four cups of water. A quarter cup of kosher salt to four cups of water. And then I add brown sugar, peppercorns, bay leaves, fresh thyme, molasses, a scraped vanilla bean, which is great for pork. Your favorite seasonings. Now, you can add a little apple cider if you like. You can throw in some honey. You can make it hot and sweet with chilies or hot sauce. And you put everything into this salt water brine, right? And then, depending upon the size of the protein, you refrigerate a few hours up to overnight. The saltier the brine, the shorter the time you need to soak and you really do get what I believe is a better bird. But I'm big on dry brine now. So please stay tuned because in the coming weeks, I am going to share with you a dry brined and roasted holiday turkey rather than a wet brine because it takes up so much room in the fridge when you have that bucket or pot of the turkey soaking in water. I'm actually going to teach and share a salt cure That adds moisture and tremendous flavor to your holiday turkey. Plus you get the most gorgeous crispy skin. You won't want to miss it. And if you're using a frozen turkey, I prefer fresh of course, but you can. You can actually dry brine a frozen bird. And as it thaws, the pores in the protein open up during thawing. You're actually getting a twofer, right? Uh, It's doing double duty. So... Stay tuned because I can't wait for you to try the method. If you're not already using it, I think you'll love it. And that, by the way, is a summary on salt. If you'd like a written recap, by the way, I'll gladly send you a transcript. Just email me, jamie at chefjamie.com. J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. Okay, don't touch your dial. Dory Greenspan, you and me, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio, back after this. Oh, it has been way too long since this extraordinary woman has graced my show, a true culinary goddess who marks her 30th anniversary as a cookbook author this year. We're celebrating the sweeter side of life today, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I am beyond elated that Dory Greenspan is back with a new bestseller, by the way. Her renowned gastronomic career has spanned more than 30 years, and Dory is, of course, the much-beloved baker, with five James Beard Awards under her belt and accolades galore. A New York Times bestseller multiple times, in fact. She has been inducted into the who's who of food and beverage in America, and her brilliant career just keeps getting sweeter. Dory was recently awarded an order of agricultural merit from the French government for her outstanding writing on the foods of France. And while Dory has created tens of thousands of sweets recipes— Her legion of fans couldn't wait for new inspiration, myself included. (laughs) Dory Greenspan has just released Baking with Dory, sweet, salty, and simple. Already a bestseller, number one on Amazon. With 150 all-new signature recipes, just when you thought that the chocolate chip cookie couldn't get any better, this book is full of decadent surprises. And it is beautiful. And it is just perfect Dory Greenspan work, and can you tell I'm excited? Dory Greenspan is back to dish. Hello, my friend. I am so thrilled to talk to you
1: I so happy to be here with you, although a little overwhelmed by your introduction.
0: Uh, well deserved. <laughs> There's no other <laughs> way, Thank Dory. You. I'm sorry. There's just no other way. And I left out accomplishments, <laughs> accolades, galore. I really did. Uh, but c- kudos and congratulations, uh, because the book is is beautiful in true Dory Greenspan style. Uh, it has these beautiful stories woven through it. It feels as full of heart, if not more than your previous books, but I, I was very taken, I felt very connected to it. And one of the things you write about when you write cookbooks is that writing cookbooks makes you happy. So tell us uh, about the, the process, this process of happiness for this baby. I really feel so lucky mm-hmm.
1: that this is
0: what
1: I get to do. It wasn't what i thought I was going to do, I wasn't trained to do this, and that I get to do it really is a joy. And this one so the truth of the matter is, I didn't know I was going to write this book. I my last book was Everyday Dory. It came out three years ago. Yes. And I thought, that's it. It's number thirteen. It's a baker's dozen. That's a nice that's a nice number. I'm okay.
0: That's it for books, and now we've got with story <laughs> and and so one should never say it is the end or could be right I, but I, I think that the uh the origin you call it the origin of this book, I know has a, a very different story than your previous thir- lucky thirteen
1: it does because so I, if you were to to ask me um, what did you write? probably any of my other books, I, I don't know that I could say, oh, it was this. But Baking with Dory had a moment that I can go back to and say, that's when it happened. Um, I was in Santa Barbara. I was having coffee at a cafe. I had a cheddar scone and hmm. it was so pretty. And so I took a picture as as we do these days. Yes. I took a picture of the scone and the coffee posted it to Instagram, and a second later, my friend and the author, you should write a savory baking book. And I got that kind of tingly feeling that I get when, um, when I know something is a good idea. And I thought, yes, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I started work on it with incredible enthusiasm, but as I was working, the recipes just get kept tilting sweeter and sweeter hmm. and sweeter, and so there is a salty-baked um, chapter in there. Yes, this, but it's the mix of sweet and salty, more sweet than salty.
0: Yes, but that's very much your style. While I love yes. that that you <laughs> nod to savory, and of course the gouda gouger will be most requested, but you're a Gougere girl, I could call you, Uh, right? Complimentarily. um, Mm -hmm. There is a nod to Savory, and I I love that uh, salty side up chapter, by the way. But we expect sweet from you, Dory. You've spent... More than three decades making our days sweeter. Personally speaking, I learned from you the idea of having a signature recipe. And my signature sweet, or one of them, is a a nod to you. Uh, you, Many years ago, you taught canelé on this show. And I still make Dory Greenspan Canelé. And you know what? I'm famous for them. Mine are the most beautiful, golden, caramelized, almost to burnt, but just before perfection. And the same glass milk jug holds the batter that I hear your voice in my head the next day to shake, shake, shake. And (laughs) that is quintessential Dory. So these sweets here in this book, they're elevated they're beautiful, but they are Dory style.
1: Yeah, if, you, if, this, if, if you could see me, as you were talking about the canel, I just had this huge smile on
0: face. <laughs> I'm so glad. Thank you.
1: And, you know, and I love that you have a signature. I, was, I actually wrote about um, having a signature. I have a new newsletter. It's called Exo Dory. Yes, it's and fabulous. I, thank you. And I wrote, I, I'm loving writing it. Um, And I wrote about a signature recipe. You know, it's the kind of thing you often think a restaurant, you know, a restaurant will have a signature dish or a chef will have a signature dish. But it's so nice when we as home cooks and home bakers have something that people look forward to enjoying when they come visit us. Yes. Or they look forward to getting in a gift that we bring to them. And that you have a signature makes me so happy. Hmm. My signature is gougere. Of I course. I always have gougere <laughs> ready in the freezer so that, you know, if somebody says they're coming over, I can just pop them in the oven. And uh, there's, there is, uh, in the, the book, as you said, there is a gouda gougere, mm. which is a new way, you know, it's, it's, it's a twist to the gougere recipe and I also make them into sticks, which is kind of fun.
0: Oh, I love so that. It.
1: Yeah, they're really pretty. And, you know, whenever you change the shape of something, you usually change the texture and the way you experience it as well. So having a, a thin stick of Gougere means you get, you, you get to both crust faster than you do in a big puff it almost tastes slightly different and it feels slightly different but it's delicious
0: there's lots more fabulous food in your radio right after this chef jamie gwen don't go away Just tuned in, you're late, because Dory Greenspan is here. The book just released is already a hit, of course, expectedly so. It's entitled Baking with Dory. It is the 14th book of sweet and savory, but mostly sweet in Dory style. Gorgeous recipes with inspiration and, and, and backstories and, and all the wonderful things we expect from the glorious Dory Greenspan. One of the things that this book uh, touts Dory is that you talk about the multiple ways to use the base recipe, right? And so that leads me to ask mm-hmm. you, you make choux dough for a gougere. What else do you use it for? You make cream puffs. You make eclairs, right? So sweet and savory. The, the, the shape changes, but the, the flavor, the texture, the crumb is, is still beautiful.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I also, I did, Something with patachu with cream puff dough that I'd never done before. So I talked about the the gurugujer, the the dough for that being used to make sticks. But I took a plain cream puff dough, okay, and I made long sticks out of it, like the Japanese snack poppy sticks. Oh, sure. And so. You know, dough is, is a neutral flavor. It can go either sweet or savory, dough, depending on what, what you add to it. And so here, I pipe the dough out, long and skinny, and then dip the ends in chocolate.
0: I saw it's that.
1: It's so much fun. It's so much fun. Uh,
0: I love that. Okay, so this is really the lesson of taking something we know and... Taking it to new lengths, new levels—pun intended, by the way—because you're making sticks <laughs> now, right? So I can't, I can't help it. Uh, talk, talk about the chocolate chip cookie, if you would, because uh, in, even in the introduction of the book, you talk about if if you know and love a chocolate chip cookie, just wait until you try Moco's cookies with chocolate and poppy seeds. I love oh, that idea.
1: So good. They are so good. So. I, I mean, like, like many of us, I love chocolate chip cookies. And I love my classic chocolate chip cookies. But I also love playing with the idea, the form of a chocolate chip cookie. And so one of the things I did in this book, it was by accident, but I'm so glad it turned out this way, hmm. is I have several, like, hmm. mini collections of recipes. I call them sweethearts yeah. throughout the book and in the cookie chapter the sweethearts are chocolate chip cookies and so mary dodd who's my recipe tester makes a chocolate chip cookie with maple syrup and bacon and that's in that section Mm -hmm. there's a peanut butter chocolate chip cookie that's paris style that's beautiful there's a big like one big chocolate chip cookie it's very thin actually
0: yes and you break it it into pieces i love that sorry to interrupt i got excited
1: (laughs) right everybody can reach in and just break off a piece
0: fabulous
1: and then there's Moco nuts rice Cranberry chocolate chunk cookies yes you'll love this it's such a good cookie and it's so unusual it has um has dried cranberries in it. Moco mm-hmm. doesn't like... Mo- okay, Moco is... Um, she and her husband, Omar, have a restaurant in Paris called Moco Nuts. Yes. And her name is, is Moco, and friends always used to say, Moco, you're nuts. And so she, oh, the restaurant is called Moco Nuts. And the cookie has um, more rye flour than all-purpose. Mm-hmm. It has... Um, the dried cranberries, it has salt, poppy seeds, and big chunks mm. of mm. dark chocolate. Yes. And when, just when they come out of the oven, she kind of gives them a smack with a spatula. And the, it, it, it doesn't, the spatula doesn't really make it deep in the indentation. But it shapes the cookies, just makes them a little wavy, and makes you think that it's a fingerprint, like Moko has been there and kind of touched <laughs> your cookies. I love these
0: cookies. I love that. That's a little nut story. I mean, it's kind of brilliant, mm-hmm. right? And it's so so <laughs> it's signature. So, it's, so, it's, so it's so signature. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I I love that. There there are so many food memories and stories woven into these recipes that they feel deeper than ever to me in uh baking with dory and and i love that because it connects us to you you spoke about moco nuts and paris we know that um you have this beautiful privilege of, of living around the world um but you talk about and allude to something that i i would like to learn more about and that is i haven't been to paris of course in too long because of a pandemic But the trend right now is cookies with extravagant toppings. Can you tell us more?
1: So I noticed this a couple of years ago. And it's funny because I said to people, have you seen, and they look at me like, what are you talking about? I think you have to be a true cookie lover to have noticed (laughs) this. Yes. But it's it's becoming more obvious. So when you say cookie to someone in Paris and you use the word cookie, they immediately think, Chocolate chip cookie, and and they just think it's the back of the box kind of cookie. And, but all of a sudden, pastry chefs have begun making cookies, but instead of like cookies, like an american size chocolate chip cookie texture, very different from like a French shortbread or Sable, But what they've done, and I find this fascinating, is instead of putting the chunks of chocolate in the dough, instead of putting the nuts in the dough, everything goes on top. So you find these cookies that have chunks of chocolate, pieces of nuts, drizzles of caramel, dashes of salt, all on the very top of the cookie. And the look of them, I find the look fabulous. And so in... In the book, I made a cookie that was just inspired by what I had seen sure. in, in Paris and so I, I'm using peanut butter oh, which yum. is not yeah not very free, and it would it would be um, more likely to be hazelnut butter or pistachio um, mm. paste in these cookies but i'm I'm um, Making a praline, so I'm caramelizing Mm. the peanuts and sugar, and yes, and then just well, I'm doing two things: I'm caramelizing the peanuts and sugar, and then making a brittle from that, just like you know, putting it out to cool and harden, and then I crush it, and then I take some of the brittle and whirl it around in a little food processor so it becomes a spread. Some of the spread along with peanut butter in the cookie, right? And then I top the cookie uh, with some of the spread, some it's... peanuts, some of that like magic dust that uh-huh. was the brittle, all chopped up, some chocolate chunks, uh. a little bit of salt. So that uh. it's so it's beautiful, it's yes, exciting. Yes, that have all that. but it's so textural.
0: It's... I st- I just found exactly. the picture of it. The peanut butter chocolate chip cookies peristyle. I can imagine it's like Dory fairy dust on top, but the, the, cr- <laughs> the crunch of the praline, the lightness of the cookie, because like you said, the cookie comes through and that does just look like you can't wait to dig your teeth into it because it's beautifully appealing to look at you know what's, a, what's about to come because it's all piled on top. It's all there. I can't, it's all there. It's all there. I can't yeah. get enough. I want to make coffee shortbread too, by the way. I can't wait to make your mold butter apple pie. Um, I just mm. spoke last week about brown butter. I have a, a fascination with it. A Parisian custard tart that is exquisite in the book is on my list. It
1: actually was... It, Known in Paris, you, you find it elsewhere, but it's really a Paris dessert, and it—I love the look of it. But it's—it's it's really simple. It's pastry, and I usually use store-bought puff pastry. Yes. Lining on a springform pan, mm. and the custard is really a pastry cream, so it's a cooked pastry cream ah. that goes into the lined pan and baked until the top is as dark as you can get it the way you said you described i love the way you described the canelé. and you said that they're baked until almost burned that almost
0: burnt that's how you taught me
1: well <laughs> well i will teach you that for the parisian tart too okay and good very
0: dark oh we are baking with reckless abandon with the lovely and talented dory greenspan and my heart is full dory please stay with us when we come back there is more baking with dory right after this Oh, it's a sweet life. We're baking with Dory Greenspan, the new cookbook release, much anticipated, entitled Baking with Dory in your radio. Dory Greenspan, you and me, Chef Jamie Gwen, welcome back. I do have to mention the everything cake might become the world's next one bowl cake, right? Because you share so many variations, but there is the savory side or the salty side as you call it, uh, I can't imagine how the response is to clam chowder pie, but I can only fantasize what people must think. That is That ex- is that that is extraordinary, Dory. That photo makes me want to oh. lick the book.
1: <laughs> I had so much fun with that, and I, I, I can't remember what made me think it must have been a bowl of clam chowder, that made me think that I could take all of those ingredients and put them in a pie. Oh. And but when I was able to put oysterettes, those my husband, my husband loves those crackers. <laughs> when I could put them on top of the pie, I was just you know I have. I, we started by my saying that writing cookbooks makes me happy. I am so happy when I'm in the kitchen and something unexpected works. You know, where I just get some crazy idea and try it, and it works. And putting those oyster eggs on top of the pie was really
0: fun. I I, I love the whimsy of it. And then I turned to Blue Cheese Bites, and I'm thinking that this would be the perfect cocktail pairing for the start of a Thanksgiving or even a Christmas or even a Hanukkah feast when you just want a bite. Those little blue cheese bites look gorgeous, Dory.
1: And they're good. So especially for you're so right about starting a holiday meal because you don't want too much. You know the meal is going to be filling and that you're going you know and, and, and wonderful. And you just want a little something when people start coming into the house and you're still still getting things ready. This is really a nice little cocktail bite. Mm.
0: Lovely. It's like, it's like the Dory Gougere, but different. And then, but different. different. At the start of the book, um, there is a a beautiful chapter um, on um, gorgeous breakfast, which includes so many uh, lovely bread and uh, muffin recipes and Oh, the English muffins just look nooks and crannies, yummy. Yes. I love that it's still so joyful for you. I, I was raised, you know, my mom is the best cook I know. And it was always joyful to her and still is, I know, to cook even after a 12 hour work day as a single mom, that was where she was able to relax and enjoy. And As long as that joy lasts, I think, to embrace it, you can feel the hug of this book, Dory. You can. And you talk about the classic recipes that are quintessential Dory in the book, but some of them are new or different or improved. You talk about recipes that look familiar, but, and I quote, harbor something unexpected. And then there are the classics that you've reborn for us, like the swirled spiced sour cream bunt cake on my list to make. I can't wait in Dory Greenspan style. Um, this is a beautiful nod to everything glorious you have shared over so many years. This book, it, it really is. It is truly really, baking with Dory. It is. There's no doubt. You. Uh, you've had other extraordinary accomplishments over a pandemic. If I may just allude to that, yes, the newsletter continues and it's wonderful. And if you want to read Dory's newsletter, it's XOXO Dory on bulletin. So you go to dorygreenspan.bulletin.com. But then there is, um, a new beautiful work of art in the form of a grandbaby, that is now eating Dory Greenspan sweets. That lucky girl.
1: I feel like I'm the lucky one because <laughs> I get to I get to bake for one more person. And yes.
0: She,
1: I mean, if I tell you that she's fabulous, uh, what? A, I mean, that's what grandmothers say all the time. But mm, this time, <laughs> no, she. It's, it's been magical huh. to see to have her in our lives and to see. Joshua, our son, and Lillian, our daughter-in-law, as parents.
0: Yes. It's, yeah. yeah. You know it's, that I, yeah. with my son, feel uh, th- the most joy. And so I couldn't help but mention Gemma, of course. Uh, we, we hope that there are um, more books and prose and love from Dory to come. But never knowing, the newsletter continues. You said you love it. Uh, and we are I all, I, I know, I love that. We are all going to collect baking with Dory as our newest Dory Greenspan prized cookbook. I think this is the most beautiful gift, uh, for the holiday season for someone, you know, who loves sweets, has a sweet tooth, loves to bake, uh, and wants to cook like and bake like a pro truly. Uh, this is the extraordinary new release from Dory Greenspan think home baking with Dory by your side. Every recipe is signature and never one to leave a recipe unexamined or unimproved. This is Dory Greenspan at her best. It really is, Dory. And I'm so grateful to have you back on the radio and I'm so thrilled to talk to you again. And uh, and I hope that you'll come back and grace the show again soon. I really do. It would make me And so that brings us to the end of another hour of insightful, entertaining, and delicious conversation. Well, at least I hope you thought so. I hope that you'll tune in every weekend so we can share food and wine and let me feed your soul. But before you go, let me leave you with my last bite for the hour. I like to call it my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration. Sounds fancy, really, because this recipe isn't. But if you have 15 minutes and five ingredients, you can handle this, really. Get your hands on a rotisserie chicken, because I have a soup for fall that is incredibly fast. It works with uh, leftover chicken or poached chicken breast if you have those too. But if you have a rotisserie chicken you've shredded, some chicken stock, some enchilada sauce in a can, some fire roasted tomatoes, and a can of sweet corn, even frozen corn will do. You can make really, truly fabulous and seriously, the easiest tortilla soup ever. So I'm posting it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen right now. Phone a friend, call your mom, let them know my five ingredient easiest ever tortilla soup is posted on social at chef jamie gwen and please meet me here next weekend when i guarantee there's lots more fabulous food in your radio please stay healthy i'm chef jamie gwen signing off and i hope you continue to eat well